Welcome to The Big Deal, where we'll unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi, Dion Heyman and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and more. Don't forget to sign up at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to The Big Deal. I'm Andrew Montessi and we're here for the final installment of our series on the art of the deal, revealing what it really takes for a sports star and their agent to secure a lucrative contract. Welcome back to AFL legend Warren Treadray and top sports agent Marty Pask from Capital Sports. Now, boys, it's all about getting the deal done. Yep, I want to get paid. Let's get it happening, Marty. Absolutely. So the last little bit is obviously closing off. So um, this is obviously the best part of the the process. If you've done all your work, you've prepared well, you've managed everyone's expectation, you've negotiated well, um, and the easy conversation is always that they're staying, they're happy, you're getting paid. Um, Treaders, you should be really, really happy. Um, and we're ready to close it off and announce it to the world that, that you're staying. Um, and I think that's obviously the pleasing aspect a lot of the times is to make these calls. Um, the, the good news uh, is the easiest bit um, when they want to stay, and then obviously if they've entertained other offers or they've looked around or they've shopped around or whatever it is that we've discussed over the course of this series – they got to give some bad news as well. So you've obviously got to make sure that you've notified everyone that you need to to, to close it off. But um, very often um, you get to this part and um, at least someone's going to be happy. Uh, I think that's always the, the good bit about it. How do you deal with those tough conversations, Marty, when you've got to sit down someone and say, look, he's out or whatever it is? How do you handle it? Well, hopefully you've done the the right preparation throughout to to get to that point where they're they're not shocked. Um, the last thing you want is you get through ten months of negotiation and they're absolutely just bewildered that that's the decision because they've had no knowledge of it whatsoever. So I think that would be called blindsiding someone. So we certainly don't want that. Um, but what you've hoped is throughout the course of your discussions that you've you've listed a few things, you've discussed it, um, you've let them know that. You know, this is a chance that this call would would be made uh, um, as well. Um, so you've 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 given a good little preparation throughout the whole course of the negotiation that this this call may be coming, unfortunately, and you just give them clear reasons why. Um, and you know, unfortunately, um, it's a part of it that you've got to say no um, sometimes. And the good thing for a player, though, is that. Not everybody, if you are in this situation where you do have to tell someone no, it means that you got, you're going pretty well um, and your career is obviously in a, in a situation that, um, you know, there's there's multiple uh, interest and there is demand for your services. So you got to give the news and you got to be honest. Uh, Marty, I want to take you back just that little bit. Yes, we've agreed to a deal, but pretty much in my time at footy, a deal was agreed a little bit earlier and then there was a bit of massaging. Can you explain a little bit of the massaging, uh, a TPP clause, which is the total player payments, if it increases? We've seen the TV rights in the AFL go through the roof. So there'll be increases. Do you calculate those in? Does that come part of that late-end negotiation? And also, too, we know situation where certain clubs have seen recently, they're really tight in the salary cap, for example, 2023. 
you might be able to massage the money so that they don't breach the salary cap, but you push money into further years, but it all adds up to the same deal that you've agreed. Correct. So absolutely. Um, so again, you're, you're researching you know, your trends in the marketplace um, and understanding that there is a CBA locked in for X amount of years. So your TPP uplift clauses are 100% correct. Um, but it can also be a decrease as well. So you've got to make sure that you understand what happens if we don't get the money we thought we would in the TV rights deal because of various other parameters and expectations that for whatever reason didn't get hit and the total earned for the players come back. We saw that in COVID, didn't we? We certainly did. So just as important as to have an uplift that you, you might want to protect the downside as well. So absolutely, that can be a part of the conversations, managing that final little bit if it goes up. Um, some might say, well, we'll give you half of the uplift. Some might say, you know, we'll give you the full, whatever it may be. But again, that's all part of your negotiations. Um, and then understanding the cap. Um, so if a club's in a window right now and they're really tight, but they might have three retirements forecasted in two more years' time, which opens up and they're the better paid players and their cap opens up after that, then you might see a little bit more of a spike. Um, absolutely. So the, the total sum negotiated is the important piece. Uh, then any other little clauses that, that obviously need to protect the upside and downside. Uh, and then how you then fit it in um, is how you then work with the club to, to help them, um, so to speak. But that takes us right back to the start when we first discussed our, um, our series is, is preparing for that. So you should know what their cap's doing, what uh, list sizes is another good one. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk in the media about that. You know, what happens if they come back? Um, you know, uh, how, how much, uh, how many people are going to be on a list? Um, how many spots will be available? How much are they spending of their total salary cap? Um, do they have an underspend? Um, when's that forecasted? I mean, all these variables in your preparation and, your, and, and the parts where you're discovering you know, the information and, and looking to find it, um, that's what that's that's what it's there for. So by the time you get to this little bit, you're always reflecting and looking back on your research and understanding that, hey, this is what we understand it to be. This is what you said. When you exchange the information, this is this is how it was sold to us. So we're negotiating within those parameters. Marty, how common is it to be in a situation where there's you've come to the final step and there's just genuine indecision. Like you might have two great offers on the table and, and uh, you know, the player might be split in their thinking. Also, I mean, let's not underestimate the fact that these might be guys in their early 20s making decisions that are going to have lifelong impacts. So I'm assuming you might get some guys with some decision paralysis. How do you, how do you walk, well, I mean, do you see this? And then how do you walk players through that? Yeah, absolutely. And again, you're listing the values of the player and you're listing the values of what they want to achieve from their football career, their family, and obviously their, their playing um, career in terms of you know how they want to do it. And then every little piece of information, offer, contract, it goes through that wash. So you're always rinsing it through the values. You're always saying, right, 
these are the three most important things that you wanted out of your career. So the offer goes through this. That might be one might be location, two might be success, three might be um, length of contract. And you're always comparing it through or running it through that rinse. And if you hold those values and you're clear on them right back at the start of the negotiation, when you're doing your preparation, you're managing your expectation, you're exchanging information with your client, you've got them. So then when you get to the final end and you've got the offers, and in this situation, you've got two of them, you run them through the rinse and which one of those comes out as this matches the values and the expectations you set. Therefore, this is the one that's going to make you happiest. Treaders, this is an enormous amount of trust for a, a young athlete to put in someone. Um, you know, the, as I said, these are these are life changing decisions. How are how as a player are you processing that in terms of handing over so much um, power, influence, um, and trust to to that person that you've you've called upon to be your support? Well, Monty, if, if you've done it well, um, it's been a decision, not just you. When you made the original decision, when I went with Jeff Motley as my manager, he was you know, related to my family, which certainly helped, Port Adelaide person. It had Nathan Buckley and Craig Bradley and some legends already. So you're sort of like, oh, if he does it for them, he must be pretty good. He's local. He's this. Um, there's a, a filter you, I used to put my decision making through and and. Bear in mind, there were two pretty important people that were involved in that process. That was my dad and my mum because I was 17 years of age. I didn't know. They didn't really know. But between the three of us, we think we had someone who had been recommended, who was willing to talk with us. You know, Jeff didn't just take on – it wasn't just running an agency. as young businesses. So he only had a set few people that he looked after. So that appealed to me, um, to that personal service. Um, but it also comes back to your gut. Um, and then when you revert that to what we're talking about with Marty, with that final decision, for me, it reverts back to that process. So I pick an agent that I want to reflect me and how they behave. And you know, I didn't want Jerry Maguire, you know what I mean? Show me the money. I didn't want someone to beat their chest. I want someone to get the job done, do it properly and do what we wanted and we celebrate later and have a dinner, you know what I mean? Some people might want the Jerry Maguire and beating the chest and high five and everyone, the Americanisms of the world. Nah, that wasn't me. I wanted someone who was going to work for me, do their job for me, do the best they can for me and be, give me honest and brutal feedback if I needed it at that time and they delivered that. And it's no different to the process I set with picking a manager is the process I set when sitting down doing a contract. So when, for example, Marty does have to go, oh, the players general thing, okay, well, we talked back six months ago what you wanted. You wanted to live in Melbourne. You know what I mean? You were generally set up here. You were happy here. You were happy with the coach direction. What's changed? Okay, yes, the offer from, from my case back in the day, Sydney was a lot more, but I didn't want to live in Sydney. If I was going to move, I was going to move to Melbourne at a big club. So then it became Sydney was eliminated. Okay, and then I go, well, why am I leaving? Why did I want to leave 12 months ago for more opportunity? Well, I've got that opportunity at Port now. So the, the filtering of your decision-making is, Marty says, if you run through the whole process, Whilst it's a difficult decision, it's generally pretty clear when you put it on a whiteboard. And sometimes I didn't do the whiteboard. I just wrote the positives and the negatives for both. And I looked at it and go, well, if my gut's saying this decision and the positives and negatives are saying this decision, well, I've done everything I can. That's really good. I love how, you know, as, as you guys have walked through this series, you, you, you can clearly see the 
all of that work that has been done all comes together and culminates in that final decision. So there is much lower lower risk of of some sort of left field issue or or problem. So, but on that though, Marty, even though you have prepared so much and and you, you've done everything right and by the book, what can go wrong at the last minute? Injury, uh, form. Um... Uh, you know, behavioural indiscretion. Um, you know, I guess these are all variables we've seen across the journey, um, I guess, that come into it. But um, the, the quick one too, back on to um, Treader's point, which I really like to hear, and to be honest, it's very similar to the way that I like to behave, is, is the fact that you, you, you suggest that, you know, the, the contract and putting trust into someone and, and, and how they... Um, you know, it's a lot for a young guy is, and listening to Treader speak then, it's about the value system that you both have. So like will attract like. Um, so if you have someone that's similar to you in the way that your mechanisms and your mechanics and how you like to go about it will help you deliver an outcome, more often than not, the agent will be the same. You'll hear things in the way that the agent speaks to you or pitches to you or talks to you or your family or whatever it is that'll go, that's me. That's more me. That's a reflection of me. Um, so I'm not sitting here by any means saying that this is the one size fits all and this is the way you got to do it and uh, everyone else is wrong. If some people want to beat the chest and they want to go about it completely different, that's their style and they feel comfortable doing it and they think that gets them the right outcome, absolutely go for it. That's your negotiation style. And that's why I said at the start, it's your values and how you want to be perceived. And some people don't give a flying you-know-what if they're perceived a certain way in negotiations. I think that's the beauty of it. If someone's, I might look and someone might be a cowboy, but they might think they like being a cowboy. If that's the way they are and that's the way they want to do it and it gets the outcome for their client, great. That's Then they'll get a client set that'll match their client set. That's 100% up to them. So that's why you've got to know who you're dealing with and, and know who you're negotiating with to, to understand how they want to go about it. And there is that type of personality match that'll that'll match everyone. Um, it's no different to a player prepares differently to a game of football. Some like the rah-rah, some like to fall asleep before a game, some like to read a book. Same thing with negotiation. And I think that that's, that's important to understand that as well, that, um, you know, certainly from my aspect, this is my experience and how I've had success in the industry doing it um, and how I've attracted clientele doing it. Um, but everyone's going to have a have a different outlook, and if if they find it and they get the outcome they want, good luck to them, and you know you wish them well. I think also too to add quickly, boys. Um, for me, the the biggest decision we touched on it: picking your agent, going through your due diligence early on, because agents will you know if you're good enough, young player, um, all the best agents in the world will 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 reach out and they'll say, hey, we want to talk to you. You go through that process. And it'll eventually go through it. And the the best piece of advice I got from my manager, Jeff Motley, many years ago was, we can only do so much. How you perform dictates how this goes. And it is a very simple recipe for a player. Just concentrate on kicking that red thing around, footy. In soccer, kick the round thing around. In tennis, hit that little uh, yellow ball. You know what I mean? Um, You're fundamentally there to do one job and you're putting your faith in someone else who's very good at their job. And they'll deliver, provided you're performing on the footy field. Because if you ain't on the field, it's pretty hard to sell the asset whose job is to perform on a field. It's a simple game. 
Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's very clear, very good advice and exactly the way that, that it's got to go, how you got to go about it. It's a partnership and it's not about the agent. Um, and you know, and that's the other thing, the, like we said at the start, the agent is employed with his knowledge and his service, no different to if you come tax time, you need an accountant to do your tax return. They've got the knowledge, they've got the experience, they know what they're doing. Uh, that's what your agent should be the person. They should have the experience and the ability to navigate the, the system for you. All right. So you've come to an, an agreement, you've, you've had the hard conversations what are the what are the formalities like? I mean, this is the stuff that that not everyone would know in terms of the paperwork. What boxes need to be ticked? Uh, what what happens now, Marty? Yeah, read, um, understand, compare, uh, make sure that uh, you know. My advice is to anyone is is make sure that everything that you discussed and negotiated was clear and understood and in writing uh like the old saying you would have heard that uh you know your grandparents would have told you that um you know make sure that's all documented and then before uh you've ticked off on it and agreed on it that that is clear every little bit of wording so um you know look out for everything um that you feel um you know might be uh, that, that that might be might be new. There should be. It's like writing a, col- a conclusion in your story at school. Make sure there's no new information. Um, so make sure all your information is all the information that you discussed, you negotiated. It's in front of you. Uh, it matches what the offer was, and then you got no problems in in your client signing it, um, sending it on its way, and then making sure it's a it's a, it's also to. I like to say it's an occasion. Uh, it, it should be something to, to celebrate, just that one little bit in your career because, you know, heck, I was I was one of these guys on the scrap heap that, um, you know, that, that was delisted and, you know, twice and, and people make the decision for you. You're actually one of the guys that actually got to make the decision. Um, they're very rare in, in, in footy as much as we think it's all about player power. It's, it's not as common as you think. Um, these players actually getting to decide their footballing future. Um, I think that that's a, a pretty cool moment. Um, you know, you, you're one of a select few of players in the comp that actually get to go, well, geez, I, I just probably got a four-year deal or I got a five-year deal. Hell, how many of them are getting around? You know, some are getting seven. Um, you know, the, you can count on one hand how many people are getting them at the moment. Um, I, I'd be pretty pumped. I'd be like, cool. Um, you know, that, that's cool because for every seven year contract, there's probably what, 300, 400, one year, sort of <laughs> one year or yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, so enjoy it. And I think that sometimes what gets lost in, in a career is that, uh, and Treaders probably could speak more or from his experience that how quickly, you know, you're at the height of your game, you're going well. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden, it's done. Um, and then the, the club will always move forward uh, and the club will always exist. But I think, you know, the players are the ones that, you know, move on. Um, and, you know, it's the legacy you leave behind. And I think it's pretty cool when you can have a good career and, and actually get to celebrate a, you know, a pretty good contract. Yeah, absolutely. And also too, the reason why you have to tech or do all those due diligence checks, because the footy manager 
change. You know, we've seen recently St Kilda's changed their list manager who's negotiating contracts. So things change. If it's not written down, it's not known about. Um, also, too, it may have changed in 12 years, but when I signed a contract extension, it was generally just a one-pager with the years and how much money on because it took about a week for the club to get the 50-page AFL official document signed, sealed and delivered. So often you'd go to a press conference and announce you'd re-signed. You'd signed a one-page offer. Um, from the club is it still the same way because um, it does take a while to to read through those documents of AFL contracts the standard they're 50 odd pages it's ridiculous mate it's a it's a magical world we live in now it's unbelievable we it's all electronic yeah it's um and I remember those days myself um you know one one as a player when you know you'd you wouldn't really get it. You know, my contract wouldn't have been 50 pages like yours. Now, that was the – I was saying the standard AFL contract with all the clauses was like, <laughs> what's this? Do I have to read this? No, that's yeah, just yeah. standard. That's just if you punch someone in a nightclub, they could find you 10 grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but, yeah, so like 100% you're right. Now it's um, – now it's it's we, we use this process and a lot of it now is over DocuSign. So yep. the digital age we, we live in, um, and, and it's a good point too because it's – I'm a bit old school, um, but I actually like the, the printing of paper and – So you print it out. And reading it and highlighting and – yeah, I, I love that yeah. and everyone gets into me at the office and everything about it. I'm, I'm not a screen reader. I need – I, I like you. books and libraries and pieces of paper and these things called pens that you write with. Like I like all that. But um, I must be I must be different. But the, the the world we're living in the world at the moment, everything's on a screen, so it, it's even harder to make. It's probably easier to make mistakes because you just hit a button and whoop, it's gone. It's it, and everyone knows about it. So where'd that fifth year go? Oh no! <laughs> exactly right. So you got to be you got to be really clear on it. So you it, you know in terms of downloading the. The, the contract to read it and go through it and then a digital signature now um, and it's done. So everyone's recognising in this contract world now that digital signatures are, are okay and you've got to be clear on them. You've got to be careful with them, particularly with everything we now know with cyber security and the like too. So it's, again, something else that you need to be up to speed on and, and, and learning and developing. And I've certainly had to do it because I've had to upskill myself probably in the last two years Um around reading, um, putting things online, um, doing all this sort of thing because, you know, I really am a, a paper folder type of guy that I like to file everything. So it's it's a it's a different sort of world we're in. So um, absolutely. So now the, the world's changed, mate. You're getting an electronic copy sent to you on a on a on a secure site that you sign, uh, that everyone then gets sent and it's lodged and it's done. So I guess as we wrap up our series guys Marty, you know, you reflect on a on a deal that's been done. How do you weigh up and and define what was a good outcome and what was a maybe a middle of the road outcome and what was maybe an outcome that you weren't hoping for? Yeah, well, I, I think I think in summary, the 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 success of the deal, in my view, is is when you match it with the values that were put to you from your client and how how much of those values match the deal. So if those values, four of them, two of them, five of them, and the contract just 
absolutely matched every single one of those values, you've nailed it. Um, and you feel very happy for your client because they've, they've ticked every box that they were hoping to achieve from it. I guess then it would determine the, the, the success, if you like, of the, of the deal would be determined by how many of those values you hit and how many of those values you miss. Um, you know, it, it might be just something as simple, I feel, in terms of successful deal, might be that this might be just a young player that's just happy just to keep going and just wants to survive another year to prove himself. So you just get him an extra, he, he just gets the extra year, and there's plenty of upside and blue sky if he plays, and um, he's just happy, keep fighting. He just wants to keep going. Um, you know, just keep giving me that opportunity. You know, he's begging to the coach. He just wants to keep playing. So that makes you feel good just as much as it makes you feel good when, you know, you've obviously knocked it out of the park for someone and, um, and they're happy. So I think it's always determined upon what the outcome of the, the player is and, um, and what their values are. And if you've done the right thing as their representative, um, you've matched those values and, and they're the ones that ultimately need to live in the shoes and, and you know, execute the contract. Is it still sometimes it used to be celebratory lunch to get through it? Is there any of those anymore or does it a case? Because I know that you guys um, go through a whole process of not only looking after contracts but investments and, and all that. It is once you've signed your deal, do you now you move to another phase of engaging accountant planning for future so that these opportunities aren't wasted because there's still that horror story of the guy that retires or girl that retires or any athlete that retires with not much because they haven't looked after their money. Exactly right. And and that's why, you know, uh, as I've spoken to you guys in the past with capital, we've we've got all that covered um, financially. And, and so, you know, under the one roof, we've got that ability that we're onto the next phase. So, we want to make sure that, you know, contracts done hand in glove now with your financial servicing, accountancy, um, property, whatever it may be. But again, a lot of that determined upon what the values of the player is and what they expect. Like if they want nothing more than to own a home um, when they finish um, their career, um, then again, we work towards that for them. Um, and everything we do with the contract, the structure, uh, you know how they pay down debt, um, all how we how we you know pay and how they structure their paying contract, all that. So we achieve that goal um, because if you can come out of football and you've got a, an asset, particularly in this Australian economy, with what we've seen with property um, and the pricing um, of late, nearly in every capital city, um, and you've got uh, you've got a house paid off for you, and you're starting again at thirty odd and you've got that asset, um, I think you're going to go pretty well. And I think that that's, that certainly should be their their goal um, because you can't go wrong with that. But, um, you know, we work towards a, a lot of opportunity for them and, and, again, what they feel comfortable in doing. But you're right. I think that's the sad part of our game too is that it's almost you're living life in reverse sometimes if you have a successful AFL career. Um, I think a lot of people throughout their journey in life, they build to their wealth. And they build to potentially their, you know, thirties, forties, and hopefully sustain it till retirement. Versus the young guy comes in at eighteen, and if he goes really well and shoots the light out, he'll get all his money up front in probably his most immature um, phase of life. And then at thirty, we got to rebuild again. And it's just so important to get that right advice and and the right people with the right values around you, so you make the right decisions.
It's a uh, it's a really interesting point to to finish on because it kind of ties into you know athletes getting set up for for the next phase of their life and career. It's probably worth another little mini series. But boys, it's been uh, it's been fascinating actually. It's been incredible insights. Um, yeah, both from you, Marty, and Treaders in terms of understanding what really goes on. And um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested to hear if any of our listeners have any thoughts or, or, or questions or, or feedback and follow up. We'd, we'd absolutely welcome them. So just get in touch with us at www.thebigdeal.au. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.